of the chance of a lifetime. Uh, this is our current series where we've been looking at what is considered one of the greatest teaching ever given by Jesus. Uh, some consider the greatest sermon ever given uh, in all time. And it's found in the Bible, in the New Testament, and it's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount uh, because he was gathered on a mountain uh, talking to his disciples about what it means to follow uh, him. Uh, more specifically, what it actually means to be a part of this kingdom that he was explaining. What it means to be a follower of him, what it means to follow his father, God, as the king over the entire world. And he wanted his followers who have decided to follow him to know really what they were signing up for. Uh, they had decided to leave their jobs and their lives and really gave it all up to, to follow him. And in the midst of his teaching, in the midst of all that he was doing, uh, they were getting more and more of a picture of what it actually meant to live after God to follow Jesus, uh, this person who was performing miracles, this person who was bringing new light to some of the truths that they have known, uh, that their fathers and their fathers had taught them. And, and there was this kind of growing popularity for Jesus, uh, also a growing concern from the religious leaders who were trying to figure out, is this real? Is this person who's proclaiming all these things like does he know what he's talking about? And so everyone was gathering. And so as, as Jesus was talking uh, to the disciples, there was many of a multitude of people around that were also trying to figure out more about who Jesus was, more about this kingdom that he was describing. And so we've called this series The Chance of a Lifetime. It's this, this opportunity to hear from Jesus, the Son of God, about what it means to be a part of this kingdom that he came to basically bring to earth and expand and entrust to his followers after he ascended into heaven to continue on. And so we have an opportunity to kind of learn from Jesus about what's really important. And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what are the major things that, that Jesus taught on? Uh, what were the things that were important and what are the things that, that were not? And this allows us to get a better idea of what it means to be a part of this kingdom. And so no matter where you are, if you're investigating Jesus or if you've been a follower of Christ for many years, this is a way of kind of bringing into focus the things that are really important. And if this is your first time at Church in the Valley and you've never uh, been here or you've not heard any of this series or you've just been here for some weeks, I just want to start by reviewing uh, where we've been. And so Jesus in this Sermon on the Mount uh, talked about many things and I'm just going to highlight a few of them. Uh, that describe this chance of a lifetime we have to follow him. Uh, we launched this series talking about the chance of a lifetime for peace. Uh, we can have peace as we follow after Jesus uh, with God himself, our creator, and also we can have peace in our relationships. And so Jesus wanted his followers to know it. If you come my way, although it's not going to be easy, although this is going to cost you your life and all that you know, you're actually going to experience peace in the deepest way possible. And he extends that to his followers as well. The second week we talked about uh, we have the chance of a lifetime for impact. If you're a follower of Christ and a part of this kingdom that Jesus is leading, uh, we actually can make a difference and we can live with purpose. And so he really is kind of getting to what's important to us. We all value peace and we all want to have a life that has meaning and purpose to it. And Jesus is saying, if you follow after me and you come my way, you can experience this. Uh, the third week we talked about uh, how you can have the chance of a lifetime for all you need, that you can actually have direct access to the king that's leading you in his kingdom. And you can pray to him and God himself hears you when you cry out to him. And so he was letting people know that you have direct access. If you follow after me, 
God will hear you. And He cares for you. And as you live your life to push this kingdom forward, you have direct access. And then last week we talked about how we have the chance of a lifetime for freedom. How we can actually give and sacrifice ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. And it it actually not only gives to what God values, but it also brings new meaning and purpose to our life. And so that's where we've been today. We're talking about for focus, how following Jesus and his kingdom actually can bring a new focus to our life. Uh, Clarity can come. We can kind of understand better of what we should major on and, and what we shouldn't. And that was always Jesus. What he was trying to do is he was always trying to draw the line in the sand so people knew this is what it means to follow me. And as you follow up to that line, you're like, okay, this is what it means. He draws another line. And as you follow up to that line, this is what it means. And he's always clarifying the cost of following him. And it's interesting because the point of the sermon that we're going to pick up today, he's really talking about how do you keep your mind and your life on track to actually do what I've been talking about? I've been talking about peace and I've been talking about impact and I've been talking about freedom and I've been talking about giving. I've been talking about what really matters. But how are you going to actually focus on these things? And you can imagine all the crowd that were really enjoying his teaching. Maybe some were confused by his teaching. His disciples were thinking, well, well, when I said I'd follow him, I had a sense this would be some of it. But this is even greater than I thought. And I'm sure there were a lot of concerns and maybe some fears and some stresses began to creep into the people, creep into his disciples specifically. And so Jesus, knowing this, says, here, if you really want to follow me and if you really want to be a part of this kingdom, which will change the entire world, you actually are going to have to push past the things that cause worry, stress, that freak you out. And I'm going to explain how to do that. And so Jesus walked through with the people of how to focus on the right things. And so we're going to be talking about the idea of of worry today. What do we do with our worry? Because it's easy for us to talk about what we want to do with our life. And it's easy to set goals. And Lord willing, we want to align with God's plan for us. And our goals hopefully align with what God wants from us. But there's a sense in despite the goals we have, whether they're short term or long term. Worry can creep into our life and it can cause all of our goals and all the things that we're doing to really not make any difference in our life. Because it's the concerns, it's the worries and the fears that actually take us off the path for living God's purpose for us. It's those things that weigh us down. It's those things that freak us out. As I was prepping for this message, I was thinking about my own life. And I realized, you know, I've spent a lot of my life worrying. And I think all of us experience worry and stress. And we may freak out from time to time. Now, we all have that person that we like, well, no, no, I may worry, but that person, they are always worrying, right? There's always that person that seems stressed out, really worried, and on the outside, they're just freaking out. And you're like, whoa, whoa, that person's freaking out. And it's always easy to kind of look at the others in our life, at all the things that seem to be weighing them down and stressed. And there's a part of us like, wow, they are just overwhelmed by this. But what happens with worry is it actually creeps into all of our system. No matter where, whether we're more worriers than others or we're less or we're laid back, we're high strung, we're type A, we're type B. No matter where we are, there's a sense we, we all deal with this. And I know I do. I was looking back at my own life and I moved a lot when I was a kid. 
and I was in sports and I had homework and I had assignments and then in work. And I thought, you know, I spent a lot of my times worrying about things, deadlines I had, friends I wanted, friends I didn't have. What was going to happen in my future? What am I going to do about my present? All of a sudden, all these things just weigh on you. And I know, you know, I, I deal with worry. You, get, you ever get to that point where you're, you're in bed and you're trying to fall asleep and then that like, what do I have to do tomorrow comes? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, I, I need to get to bed, but all I'm thinking about is what I have to do tomorrow. And a, a lot of times it stems from what I didn't do today. So you begin to do an inventory and all of a sudden, sleep mode goes into like, Planning mode, planning mode's good, and then what I need to do, what I didn't do, will I get it all done? And before you know it, you're just like, well, I'm not really sleeping. I'm stressed out. That happens to me regularly. It's just things kind of flood my mind. I can be overwhelmed, and I can start to think of it, and it costs me sleep. And no matter where you are, we, we all face that, just those stresses and the things that weigh on us and concern us. And so Jesus, knowing that this is what people all over the world, no matter where you're from, deal with. He, he wanted to provide some help. And so I know that it's been a battle for me. And, and maybe here's some of the worries that, that you're facing this week. Uh, will I ever get a job? And if you have a job, will I ever get a better job? Okay. One, I want one. Two, I got one, but I want a new one. Or what, what happens if I get fired from my job? Because I want a better job, but I don't have the better job. Or this is one of the most common ones for me. Like, How am I going to get everything done? That one always gets me. How am I going to get everything done? And when am I going to get it done? And how is it all going to work? Or another one that happens towards the end of the month, like on August 31st. How am I going to have enough money to pay for the bills that are due today? How am I going to have enough? What am I going to do? And all these things race us. Just race in our mind, race in our mind, race in our mind. And it's different for you, it's different for me, but we all have worries. And so I want you to think for 10 seconds, I want you to think in your mind, what is the thing that you're most concerned about right now that if you really are honest with yourself, it's just weighing on you? Do you have something? Is there just something that you just, you're, you're stressed about, you're worried about, kind of consuming your thoughts? Just take a moment to, to kind of pinpoint that. And if you're stressed out because you can't even pinpoint the one, then you're, you're good. You've already done what I've asked you to do. Just take a moment to think about that. point of the exercise when you think about worry doesn't it kind of make you worry a little bit more I'm not here to say let's focus on this and we're just going to get more stressed out together right nobody has time for that but the point is when you start to think about it you realize like yeah there's a lot of unknown a lot of things I don't know what I'm going to do how it's going to work how's it going to turn out and so Jesus basically came knowing all this was going on. And he wanted to meet the people where they're at, meet his disciples where they're at with all of their concerns. And he begins really this, this discourse of truth that, that provides perspective. And it begins with worry robs us of both today and tomorrow. It robs us. Worry is not a giver. It is always a taker. It always robs us. It's really no good. It does not help. And so I just want to walk through some thoughts that Jesus had 
on this very issue of how to focus and how to push past the worries, the stresses, the fears, the concerns, and all the things that weigh us down. This is what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and your body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? So Jesus is kind of talking about the basics. But have you worried about, like, how, what am I going to eat today? I, either I don't have money to buy the food or I left my lunch and I don't know what I'm going to eat. He's just dealing with like the basic bottom level concerns. What we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. Now, some of you may not have never worried about what you're going to wear your whole life. You go into your closet, you pick a shirt, you pick a pair of pants, you put it on. It doesn't matter if it matches. As long as you have clothes, you're good. And then there's some of you that you think, I worry about clothes every day of my life and I have my whole life. But he's just talking about, here's the basic necessities that we, we need in life and why are you worrying about that? Are you going to add a single hour to your life? And don't worry about clothes. And then he, he gives a comparison, an analogy in nature. See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. So he's on a mountain giving this talk. And I don't know if he's actually having the people like there's birds flying over. And he's saying, see, look at the birds. I don't know. If he's actually pinpointing that and see the lilies, I don't know if there's a lily filled right there. But the point is, he's saying, look, look at nature. Take, take a little time. Look at nature and learn from them. And Jesus did that a lot. He used object lessons. He wanted people to kind of connect things to their own life. And he's saying, look, look at the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon was like the wealthiest king of Israel. And he's saying the lilies of the field that they're dressed even greater than the wealthiest king you have ever known. They do not labor or spin. And then it says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will not, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly fathers knows that you need them. Look at the lilies. Look at the grass. Look at nature. Are they content with what they have? That's what he's saying. Are, are they content? Do they seem okay? I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the birds of the air... I'm thinking to myself, okay, geez, like, I'm not a bird. I have a mortgage. I have a car payment. I got kids. I got a boss that I know is a lot harder on them than that angry bird that's leading them. Okay? He's not doing it to frustrate him. He, he's actually doing this to, to prove a point. And in the midst of it, he, he asked probably one of the greatest questions on the issue of stress, anxiety, fear. Matthew 6, 27. 
Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Isn't that a great question? He's basically saying, how does worrying help you? How does it move you forward? How does it help you deal with the things you're facing? Because let's look at it. Does it add value? And he's, just, he's saying, no, it robs you. It doesn't add an hour. It takes it away. So I just really quickly want to walk through kind of how worry creeps in and then what Jesus does. Uh, Dr. Charles May uh, works with a lot of people over the years. He's been a, a doctor for many years. And he says this, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. I have never met a man or known a man to die of overwork, but I have known a lot who died of worry. Just showing, the bottom line is this worry, it's not just things that you're thinking about, it actually affects your life. So Jesus says, how many of you does it add an hour? Doctors are saying, no, it, it actually costs you. It can cost you your life. But it's so easy to do. It's so easy. One minute we're okay, the next we're worried. One minute we're fine, the next we're freaking out. One minute we don't have a care in the world, the next minute we are stressed out. As information comes, as new things develop, it's always happening. It's just this battle that rages, battle that rages. What you find is we also have an adversary. We have the enemy in Scripture. This, This is Satan. And you know what? He actually supercharges the stresses, the worries that we face because he knows this is the thing that just can take us off track so easily. If we're wanting to follow Jesus and we're wanting to grow, to be a part of this kingdom and we're wanting to follow after him, he knows that if we get consumed by our worry and our concerns and our stresses and our fears, this is the thing that just causes us to bail. Because our focus is now on the very thing that takes away and robs our life. If we're focused on that, we're, we're useless, we're ineffective. So this battle, it it is real. It's actually a battle for our life. And Jesus knew this, and he wanted people to get, you have to focus on the God who can help you in the midst of what you're facing. So really it's an issue of faith, because Jesus says, despite all these things, why do you worry about what you're going to wear? Why do you worry about what you're going to eat? Why do you worry about what you're going to drink? And he tells all the people listening, O oh, you of little, what? Faith. O oh, you of little faith. This is a faith issue. It's not a worry issue. It's a faith issue. And in all this discourse that Jesus is saying, he's saying, faith, not fear. That's the right response to worry. Faith, not fear, is the right response to worry. Now, faith is a word that we use a lot in the scripture, it's, it's really this idea that God is not going to rip me off. I can trust in God because he will take care of me. He's not going to rip me off. It's not what God does. He loves and takes care of those he has made. He's made all of us. And so this aspect of faith is God's going to take care of me. He's going to provide. He's not going to rip me off. That's the right response. To worry. Faith. God will take care of me. You see that? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away 
in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So the idea is if, if God takes care of the birds, will He not take care of us? That's what Jesus is saying. Because I've made you. God made us in His image. We have more value than the animals. If He takes care of the animals, and He takes care of the lilies, and He takes care of the grasses, will He not take care of us? This is where the object lesson comes real. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They, they do not labor or spin. They're not stressed out. Matthew six twenty six. Look at the birds of the air. And then he asks another really good question. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable than they? And in Matthew six twenty eight through 29. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies... And then he goes on to say, Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Despite all the things that you're concerned, I take care of creation in a way that will blow our understanding. He takes care of the animals in a way that could overwhelm our understanding of how good God is. And we are of more value than them. And then verse 30. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, it's so temporary, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So Jesus is saying, not only will God take care of you, but you have value greater than anything He has made. But in everything He has made, He takes care of them to the greatest detail that it will blow our mind. But yet we worry from the smallest to the biggest. Small concerns to the big concerns. We worry, we're stressed, and, and we freak out. And over the years, what, what I've realized is it's not just faith like this belief. I, I've got to have the faith. I've got to have the faith. Keep the faith, faith. You guys remember that song? That was a little throwback. Some of you. But it's a word, you know, yeah, I got faith. I just got faith. Like, faith. When it comes down to it, faith has to be real. It has to be something where we actually trust that God will come through and we trust Him enough that we're actually not going to give in to it. We're not going to give in to the worry. I trust Him enough. I'm not going to go there. I trust Him enough. I'm not going to run the scenarios. I trust Him enough. I'm not just going to go do what I want to do. He will come through. What I've learned over the years, growing your faith will shrink your fears. There will still be fears. There will still be worries. And there will still be anxieties that we face throughout our life. But what happens is when you focus on faith and actually growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, reading the Scriptures, allowing Him to give input, give you truth, praying to Him, your faith grows. And as your faith grows, your faith becomes bigger and your fears become smaller. That's how it works. So you have to choose what you're going to focus on. And Jesus is saying, focus on the God who will take care of you and your fears will shrink. This happens as we, we talk to God. When we're faced with the things that overwhelm us, we talk to God and we pray to Him. And so prayer is one of the keys that helps our faith grow. 
In fact, our faith grows as we repeatedly turn to God in prayer. So faith is taking the things that weigh on us, taking the things that are stressing us and actually giving them to God, praying to him. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 talks about this. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about what? About what? Anything. What? Anything. I mean, that doesn't, that almost doesn't seem real. About anything? Well, I got some stresses that seem like don't fit into anything. But do not be anxious about anything. Okay, so what am I supposed to do? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here, the battle. You see it again. This is a battle. Faith, fear, faith, fear, which one will I choose? Faith, fear, faith, fear, which one will I choose? Every day I have to make a choice. Every day. The scripture here is saying, you know, when worry comes, you turn your attention to God. Focus on the God who not only hears your prayer, cares for what you're praying about, but he'll take care of you. There's this idea of you, you present your prayers with supplication. God, this is what I have going on. These are things that are weighing on me. These are things that I'm worried about. These are things that are stressing me out. God, will you help me? And then with Thanksgiving, there's this idea of God, you have come through. You have a track record. You have always come through. You've always provided. And if you've not had a long track record with God, talk to somebody who hasn't and ask them, has God, has God come through for you? And you begin to see that there's this element of thanksgiving that exists with Christ followers because they don't just believe things based on a premise. They don't just believe things based on an idea. They believe it based on experience. This is what Jesus is saying. If you want to focus, you have to experientially follow after God. And when the stresses come, when the stresses come, you, you turn to Him and you watch Him come through. Experience it. Experience it. Don't just think it. Allow God to come through. And then verse 7 again. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a shield. There's the idea of the shield. The peace of God is a shield. That when the worries come, they're just arrows that are deflected off of the peace of God. Not about you, but when I'm in the midst of the stress, I'm not thinking peace. I'm thinking like the spin cycle of a washing machine. Have you ever seen that? When that washing machine gets going, and everything's shaking, and the clothes—that's how it feels with worry. It's like you've entered this vortex of stress, this vortex of worry, and just you're so overwhelmed. And Jesus is saying, "You pray to me, and you spend time with me, and you trust that I'm going to come through." I will pull you out of that spin cycle, which is just turning your life upside down. And you'll experience peace. And then he ends this, this kind of whole discourse about what you should focus on. So it's not your worries. It's not your fears. It's not your stresses. But when you pray and you present them to God, here's what you should focus on. It says, faith allows us to focus on God's kingdom, not tomorrow's worries. So we have to focus on something. Well, if we're not focusing on our worries and our fears, then what do we focus on? This is what Jesus says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things.
Jesus will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. At that point, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Today just has so much trouble, I can't even borrow trouble for tomorrow. Imagine the people like, wow, I trust you. Yeah, you're going to help me. But wait, today may be so bad, I can't even think about tomorrow. It's like one of those ensmallment campaigns. What, did he want followers? Or is he just saying, you know, life's really going to stink for you tomorrow. Don't even think about it today. What he's saying is, again, you can think about tomorrow's troubles. But is that going to add an hour from tomorrow and give it to you today? No. It's going to take your hour today and it's going to waste it. It will no longer exist. So why do it? Instead, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Get to know me. Spend time with me. Spend time with people that follow after me. Go that way. Go on the journey of people that decide they're not going to let their stress define them and lead them, but they're actually going to follow in faith. So what does this look like practically? I have a couple guys that are going to come up and they're going to set up some props. We have some props this morning. This is going to be fantastic. Okay? We have some props. This is called the three buckets. You may have called or you may have heard of the ice bucket challenge. This is called the three buckets. There is no ice. There's a little bit of sand and some tablecloth. Okay? But as these guys pull this, I'm going to just walk you through. Thank you, guys. I'm going to walk you through what this looks like practically. Okay? Thank you. This is like an elaborate set. Okay, right here we have today's work. What's this one? Prayer. What about this? Tomorrow's trouble. And what does this represent? Our time and energy. Okay? So this is sand. This represents our time and energy. Each day we get to choose what we're going to do with our time and energy. What we're going to focus on. And based on what we experience in life, we either are going to choose to focus our time and energy on the things that are stressing us out and worrying us, or we're going to focus our energy on today. And I just want to walk you through two brief scenarios of what that looks like. And so hypothetically, let's say tomorrow, not tomorrow because tomorrow's a holiday, so there's no stress at all because it's Labor Day. You're stress-free. That's what holidays are. But Tuesday is coming. And work is stressful. And so you begin to work and you're at work and you're on a new project and you're focusing on today's work. And today's work could be a job where it actually is work. It could be our responsibilities. It's our stewardships. It's whatever we have on our plate that we're supposed to take care of. If you're a stay-at-home mom, that could be changing the diapers as a part of today's work. You don't want to leave that for tomorrow. That becomes trouble. Okay? But today's work are the things that we have to do today, whether that's at work or with the responsibilities we have. Okay? So as you're working, you're putting your time and energy in your work. All of a sudden, you begin to put some more time and energy and you realize, wait a second, my, my kids, they, they've been acting up lately and I wonder, wonder why they're doing that. And all of a sudden, you, you've stopped working because in your mind you're thinking of these stresses. And you begin to think of tomorrow's trouble. Are they going to be okay? Why are they acting up? What, what do I need to do differently? You say, okay, wait a second. I need, I need to focus back on God. And so I need to focus back on my work, I mean. And, okay, I, I need to work on this project. But you know what? This, this project's kind of hard. And I don't know if I can do this project. 
In fact, I don't really even know what I'm doing at this job, and I hope they don't realize that I don't know what I'm doing. What if I get fired? All of a sudden, the project that you're having trouble with, you're no longer focusing on because you're worried, and you're thinking, well, what if I get fired, and, and then I need a new job? But, you know, there are no jobs right now. And what if I don't have a job, and then I don't have a paycheck? And if I don't have a paycheck, like I don't have money. If I don't have money, I don't have food. Did I even make that in the bucket? I wasn't looking. But I'm not going to worry about it. So what you see is you begin to focus your time and energy on the things that consume us. It's the tests I need to take, the project I have, the bills I have to pay. As you can see, at one point, you can only put your time and energy in one thing. What you find is, at the end of the day, you, you, you have some work that you've done, but it's not really as much as I need to do. Because I have a certain amount I need to do. Like today's work, I kind of needed to fill to here, but I didn't do it. Because where was I focusing my time and energy? I was focusing on tomorrow's trouble. The thing that we don't know, though, about tomorrow's trouble is this. As we invest our time and energy in it, we notice there's a hole in it. And our time and energy is drained out. And as we enter the spin cycle of our worries, this is, this is just going to be a big mess, but as we enter the spin cycle of our worries, our time and energy, it just drains out. We have nothing to show for it. So at the end of the day, we look at our work and we think, well, I, I didn't do enough. And then we look at tomorrow's trouble and we realize, well, there's nothing there. And our time and energy was, was wasted. This is what Jesus is saying. Who can add an hour to your life? No one. It's wasted. But let's say in that same given day, you're, you're at work and you, you, you decide, you know what, at church I learned that I, I can't worry. I actually need to turn to God in prayer. And when those things come, I actually need to ask him for help. And so you're at work and you're, you know, working on this project and you remember, my kids have been acting up lately. Like, why are they doing that? Like, what's wrong with them? And all of a sudden you begin to worry about that and you realize, like, wait a second. How's this going to help? How's it going to add an hour to my life? And you realize it won't. Why won't it? Because Jesus said it won't. And I've experienced that for myself. And so in the midst of you stressing and worrying because we still will face it, we decide, you know what, God, I, I need your help. God, my kids are acting up. I don't know what's going on, but will you help me to connect with them and, and figure that out? And so you've prayed and, and you've asked God for help. And some of your time and energy was devoted to prayer. So in the midst of that, you're like, okay, God, thank you. And, and you know, you're working on that project and you're like, wow, this project's really hard. I don't really know what I'm doing. What if my boss, my boss discovers I don't know what I'm doing and I get fired and I don't have a job anymore? And so you begin again to worry, oh, no, I don't want to look for a job. There's no jobs. And I need a paycheck because I need to pay the bills. And I need to have food on the table. And you begin to stress. You go, wait a second, wait a second. Who by worrying is going to add an hour to their life? Not me, because it won't work. So you begin, you pray, God, I don't really know what I'm doing at my job. And I, I don't know if my boss knows it, but I really need to learn and I need to grow and help me to be as diligent as I can with what I'm facing. And in the midst of that, you, you pray again, God, just help me. I'm going to work hard and, and, and not freak out. And as you work on some more work, you think about, okay, God, I don't know if I'm going to get fired, but I really need this job because I have bills. And you start thinking about the bills. And again, you go and you see again and again, all the things coming. This is the battle. It's not, you know, don't worry. We are going to worry. The issue is when we get to the point when we're pouring out our time and energy in tomorrow's trouble, will we choose to put it to prayer? 
will we choose to give it to the God who wants to help? And we all have that choice. And what you find is, as you give it to God in prayer, here's the thing. You can't get today's work done if all you're doing is praying either, right? How did the project go? You know, I didn't get to it, but I had a great prayer session. You still get fired. Okay? You notice there are two buckets here. So the issue is, as you're praying, you don't, you don't stay there, but you get back to your work. You get back to your responsibilities because, again, that's you seeking first the kingdom and righteousness. So in everything that you do, you want to do it for the Lord. And what you find is, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I, I have a little bit of worries. But then you look at, okay, but this is what God has. And then you look at what you've been doing. And you know what? They're here. Find about prayer and about today's work. They're foundations. There's no hole in them. So as you focus on prayer, God's got it. And as you focus on today's work, you're building into something. You're making something happen. There's no drain. There's no loss. So what you find is these are the things that we can build our life on. We can't build our life on tomorrow's trouble. So I want to encourage you. As the worries come, as the concerns come, as the stresses come, and they will it's not a matter of don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it. It's when you're about to unleash your time and energy, you have to choose to give it back to God in prayer. Because the other thing is, if you don't pray and all you're trying to do is focus on today's work, there's just a certain limit this has and it's going to overflow. You have to give things to God to handle. He's big. He's big enough. He'll take care of it. So I want to encourage you in that. Part of this is like we have to retrain our brain. We have to have a new reflex where I'm going to focus my time and energy. So will you do that with me this week? I encourage you. Let's focus on these two and not this one. I'm going to wrap up as the band comes up. They're going to lead us in another song as we receive our offering. And you can go ahead and pull the connection card that Jeremy had you fill out. Uh, as you finish filling that out, there's some next steps on the back that you can take today. Uh, you can make a checklist of today's work. Uh, you can list and pray about your anxieties. Here's the thing that you're worried about, and here's what you need to pray about. Here's the bucket you need to focus on. And then maybe there's an area that you need to choose faith instead of fear. And, and just list that certain area. You know, this is the area that always seems to be the battle. And again, ask God for help in that. As I close out, I want to mention uh, one other thing. And uh, just wanted to kind of clue you guys in so you can be praying. We, we have a, a member uh, of our church that passed away this past week. Uh, she's a part of our Diamond Bar campus. Her name was uh, Melissa Camargo. She is, was 15 years old and just lost uh, her battle with cancer last Thursday night. Uh, her mom, Mary, has been a longtime member of our church in Diamond Bar. And uh, Melissa's dad, Reuben, and Mary obviously are overwhelmed with uh, Melissa's passing and overwhelmed with kind of picking up all the pieces and all the, the, the worries that, that, that come with that. And so I just wanted to, to let you guys know uh, if you could be praying for uh, Reuben and Mary and their family. Uh, Melissa leaves both her parents and uh, two of her sisters. And uh, it's in these times that this stuff even becomes more real uh, because we, we just we have to pray to the God who's in control. And I just wanted to pray uh, for them uh, as I close out the message. So let's pray together. 
God, I, I do pray for um, Reuben and Mary. And I ask, God, that you will comfort them in this desperate time and with all that they're facing. And I thank you that Melissa knew you, uh, that she actually lived a life of faith. And right now she is rejoicing in She's rejoicing in heaven, worshiping you, and she's in no pain. Uh, she has no concerns except to be who you are. And so I, I ask that in the midst of the pain, that you will comfort her family and all of her loved ones. And God, I thank you for the life that you gave her. And so as they begin to uh, pick up the pieces, uh, will you help them? And we ask this. Jesus Christ. Amen.